You're listening to the Kingdom Project Podcast. These are discussions on biblical theology and interpretation. The emphasis is on context and grace. The goal is to promote biblical literacy by displacing and debunking most modern interpretations. The challenge is to engage in healthy conversation that may stretch, but sharpen iron. This is The Kingdom Project, and I'm your host, Marcus Hall. So we're going to finish chapter 2 of James today, so that's going to be verses 14 through 26, and uh, I was going to keep going into 3, but he'll sort of switch gears, and um, so it may be short, like it's okay if they're just sort of short like they have been. Uh, I don't like to be in like sort of one one gear and then he switches gears and then I do another 20 minutes because then you, you know a lot of times people you may forget the uh, the first half you know what I mean I want you to retain as much as you can and learn as much as you can so um we're just going to finish uh two today instead of you know instead of it being longer so it'll be short <laughs> so we ended last week by seeing that James is now going to discuss the relationship uh, between faith and works for a believer by asking this question, what use is it to have faith but no works, right? And it's posing the question of how do you expect to profit from a faith that is absent of works, right? And that's how I ended last week. And what he was doing is uh, establishing a principle that uh, true faith will be accompanied by change by action all right so we you know we've gone over this like i mean that that like topic if you will several times saying there will be a change you know there is a change in thought and speech and and attitude and things like that it happens because you are a changed person you're born again you're filled with the holy spirit you start to learn and and with learning you are uh maturing so and with that comes changes Um, so in other words the Christian faith and the Christian life be it becomes a demonstration of a living faith that is in loving action okay so we're gonna start with 14 uh, look uh, at 14 through 17 first where it says what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him if a brother or sister is is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and and one of you says to them go in peace be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body what good is that so also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead okay so james he's asking how how can faith without those works profit you as a believer and if you said it another way how do we expect and to profit from a, a, a faith that is absent of works and now what i mean by profit is not like i've gained something you've already gained your profit you have you you have forgiveness you have salvation you have eternal life 
um, but there's maturity to be gained, uh, spiritual maturity and godly wisdom. James, James thinks it's impossible, or it seems to think that it's impossible, that someone can genuinely have saving faith and have no works. But someone can say he, that they do have faith, he has faith, but fail to show forth good works, right? So the question is valid, then. Can that kind of faith save you? Right? We have to remember James was writing to Christians from the Jewish background who discovered this glory of salvation by faith alone through Christ alone. Okay, So they know how exhilarating this freedom is from a works-based righteousness. But they went to the other extreme of thinking that works doesn't matter at all whatsoever. All right, so John, uh, James is not contradicting Paul, who insisted that we are saved not of works. It's in Ephesians 2, 9. But he's merely clarifying for us that the, the kind of faith that does save, that we are saved by grace through faith, not by our works at all. All right, but saving faith will have works that accompany it. All right, faith alone saves, it's a saying, faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone, okay? It has good works with it. So we've, we've seen these things in Ephesians and, and, and stuff, a good father, a good wife, a, a, a husband, things like that. These are good works. These are the things that will come. These will accompany your salvation. And Paul understood the necessity of works in proving uh, the character of our faith, he had wrote, uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them in Ephesians 2:10. He also wrote that this is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works in Titus 3:8. So James then offers this. Uh, example, a convicting example to consider. And he asked if a Christian expresses concern for a fellow believer who is poor and in need, but he does nothing at all material to help address that believer's needs and just tells them, go, be warm, <laughs> right? Of what use is that response, is what he's saying. What, what's, what good does that do? So uh, what advantage is that? There's none. So James asks, how can that unhelpful response do you or anybody else any good? It certainly doesn't profit the one who's in need. The needy believer who is still without food and still without clothing that they need in that time. It doesn't uh, profit you who, who has fail to perform a work of mercy, right? Because meeting a, a, a fellow believer's needs is an act of mercy within itself. And then James makes this provocative statement. Faith without works is dead, right? We've all heard it, I think. Uh, just that being by itself is dead. By dead, he means it's lifeless. It's of no benefit to men and it's of no benefit to God or to the believer himself. Now, faith alone saves us, but it's a living faith. 
We can tell if faith is alive by seeing if it's accompanied by, by good works. If it doesn't have those works, it appears to be dead. So a living faith is simply, though, real faith. So I don't want to get too complicated and too bogged down with how people try to make a big deal out of uh, James's letter. Where he's, ta- he's simply talking about the real faith, the real born-again Christian. Okay? If we really believe something, we'll follow through, we act upon it. The Holy Spirit will lead us, and we respond to the Holy Spirit while walking in the Spirit. So if we put our, our trust and our faith in, in, on Jesus, then we'll care for those who are in need. We care for the naked and the destitute, as he told us to. And all this is to say that if our faith does not yield good works to the glory of God, then it's useless. It shows nothing. It's useless for others who are in need of the good works of our works of charity and of service in which has been prepared for, or as I read earlier, prepared beforehand for us to walk in. All right, so James... He no doubt anticipated what uh, the argument that would come, all right? What some might argue to refute his concerns. He's anticipating that some might try to counter what he has said and claim that Christians do not need to worry about such things. And he offers that argument in verse 18 and 19. But someone will say, you, you have faith and I have works. Show me... Show show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. All right, so some some might try to say that some have the gift, all right, with quotations, the gift of works. Others have the gift of faith, right? But we all have faith. Faith is given to us free by God. That's how we... uh, we're drawn to him and, and repented and born again, right? But th- so they'll say it's fine for you to have your gift of works and that you care for the needy and all those other things, but that isn't my thing. That's not my gift. But James, James is saying he's not going to have any of that type of thinking to go on because real faith will be demonstrated by works, right? So the appeal of James is clear and it's logical that we can't see someone's faith the actual faith itself you can't see someone's faith but we can see their works you can't see faith without works but you can demonstrate the reality of faith by works i'm saying faith and works a lot guys so the fallacy of faith without works is demonstrated by demons who have dead faith in god right they believe in god right? They believe, they shudder, all right? See, we've, we've been over this too, and, and another time, uh, when we were talking about belief and then in faith, right? But demons believe in the sense that they acknowledge that God exists. They know he's God, right? He, they know, they know who he is. But that faith does nothing for them. It's a dead faith, because it isn't real, and it's proved by the fact that it, it doesn't have works with it, right? And they shudder at the thought that they know what is, is coming to them, right? They know. 
So now James then, he, uh, he's gonna use, he uses the story of, uh, no, no, sorry. James moves to make clear that making works, uh, this uh, demonstration of saving faith is, um, if you w were to, the guy in the argument, <laughs> sorry. He's making clear that ma just making works a necessary demonstration of saving faith is a gospel of works, right? So he, he, he is not arguing, arguing for such a view. So to prove so, he's going to give us two Old Testament examples, okay? So this is in 20 and 24. Do you, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works, and not by faith alone. So James, James uses the story of Abraham sac, um, taking Isaac up to sacrifice him on the mountain. That's in chapter 22 of Genesis. And he begins again with this thesis that faith is useless without works. All right. It's, it's not absent or false or, or fake, but he says, says it's useless. Okay. Um, and so his use of Abraham as an example is especially important because Abraham was declared to be righteous by faith at an earlier point in Genesis, in chapter 15. But in Genesis 22, God gave Abraham an opportunity to display his faith through actions, through his works, so that Abraham might accomplish something important for God's glory. So in verse 21, James says that Abraham was justified by works when he offered up Isaac, all right? So it, this can be confusing to some students, but the, the proper interpretation is easy. It results on an understanding of the word justified. That's it, it's justified. The word always means declared righteous. It's not to make someone righteous, but in Genesis 15, God declared Abraham to be righteous on the basis of his faith. In Genesis 22, Abraham was declared then to be righteous by his works. All right. So in Genesis 15, it was God's judgment that Abraham could be counted as a righteous man. In Genesis 22, it was Abraham's turn to make that declaration for himself through his own actions. Does that make sense? Get it? You getting it? <laughs> All right. It was his obedient actions then that had the effect of declaring the same things that was already true from God's perspective. It's not like God said, well, he's got to go and do this, though. He's already declared him righteous by his faith. So James is saying that when we do good works, it's a declaration about who we are. Christ in us, who is in us, this is our testimony. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? After faith, then, we want to do things to please him. 
It's the natural reaction. And we do that then through good works. The thing, you know, husband, a good husband, a good, good wife, a good parent, a good child, a good worker, a good em em employer, all these things, okay? So James uses another example of save, saving faith put to work then at the end. In 25 and 26, he says, And in the same way was not also uh, Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For, it, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. All right. So Rahab was this prostitute. She believed in the testimony um, of the invading Jews concerning God's plan to destroy, destroy her town. They were going to come and destroy Jericho. So when J Joshua sent spies into the land, she hides them from the king, right? So her kindness to these people, these messengers, was this meaningful act of mercy to these men that she should have seen as enemies, but she didn't see them that way. So therefore, because she acted on her faith, the spies assured her that she would be saved when the city was destroyed. Uh, so uh, she, when the whole time she could have just remained silent. Okay, She still would have had belief in God, in the God of Israel, but if she hadn't acted on that faith to protect these men, these spies, then she would have lost uh, her earthly life in, the, in that invasion. So James's point here is that there are benefits for God's glory when we act on our faith and, and do these good works. All right. And it's not how good you do them. It's not the performance or anything like that. It's believing in God and doing them. Uh, unto God for his glory. So in Rahab's case, the reward was her life. Her life was spared, you know, but I don't want to get into saying there's personal benefits or this or that or the other. I can't tell you what they're going to be. Those things are between you and the Lord, most likely. If anything, no, it's spiritual maturity. It's part of the sanctification uh, process. I, I read a lot of things, commentaries and notes on this where a lot of people were like if you don't do those works and you don't do them good then you're going to lose all these things in eternity and you're going to be judged on those things and and these are all tests for <laughs> your placement or whatever it is in eternity and it's like i don't understand any of that stuff you know um i don't get it so I don't go that way. Like you're saved, you're secure, you're, you have eternal life, you're in Christ, Christ is in you. The point for me is that you're going to do these good works because you've been born again. You're not doing it. Why would, I've already been forgiven of my sins. I've already been saved from eternal death. Like people want to say now you have these obligations and these other these motives but they become personal these personal motives personal agendas and then it just becomes selfishness in my eyes i believe so that's my tangent on that okay but in rahab's case her life was spared and her name was preserved in scripture in the line of jesus 
This all had a plan, right? <laughs> it was all God's will for this to happen. Now, if James had ended on Abraham, some of us could have wondered if the goal was just out of reach for us. Well, that's Abraham, right? But it's not. But some people do look at Abraham and his stature and they think, well, only men of Abraham's stature could actually obtain such a testimony as Abraham. All right, so James gives us Rahab too, a prostitute, all right? If she could act on her faith in a simple way, just taking strangers into her home, maybe we could do the same thing, right? And as James reminds us in verse 26, then a dead body is a very real thing, but it's entirely useless. It's just a corpse. Don't live a life of very real but useless faith, all right? Now, uh, in James 1, in chapter 1, when we saw that, we saw that any life of religion that doesn't arrive at sanctification, a life that is steadily becoming more Christ-like, more holy, is of no value, of no worth. That's what we saw. That the outward religion, religious practice that doesn't lead to this inward change, that inward conforming to Christ in our lives, will be of no benefit to us or of God or neighbors or anyone else. And that's, that's how he's going to change gears. That's why I didn't want to keep moving. All right, Because as we go into chapter 3 next week, we go back to that theme. Okay, So James has just finished with a reminder that our, our, our life is to declare our faith publicly or privately in the home by doing the works of uh, uh, good works that have been created for us through Christ. Right? Works are, are in, anything that displays our faith, whether it's an action or a word, a thought, a deed, whatever. And for James, the words we use are a good indicator of our maturity and our faith. So he spends, he will spend chapter three focused on speech and its relationship to spiritual maturity. Okay? Any questions, comments? Discreet.